All right, here we go. And rolling sound. Quiet. Rolling. Ready. One point six seven. everybody and welcome back to So You Want to Be an Actor podcast where we'll be sharing some good actor stories, some bad actor stories, and a whole lot of actor catharsis. This is episode two and today we will be speaking with my dear friend Erica Smolsinski. She's an LA-based actress, um, someone I've known for a little while now and I'm super excited to have her on. But before we get into all of that, I just wanted to mention a few housekeeping things. So you can now find the show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can follow on Instagram at so you want to be an actor pod. You can DM me there if you have any um, stories you want to share, any interesting guesting. You can also reach out at so you want to be an actor pod at gmail.com or you can follow me or reach out on my personal account at ern.mddn. So aside from that, we'll uh, get into just a little bit of industry news this week. So Ryan Coogler has signed an exclusive deal with Disney Plus for a five-year television deal for a Wakanda Black Panther spinoff series. Sundance Film Festival is going on currently. It's virtual this year, as we all know. And things are looking a little bit different, it seems. Apple broke records at Sundance this week when they purchased CODA or CODA, I'm not sure how you say it, for $25 million in a bidding war against Amazon, which broke last year's record set by Hulu with their purchase of Palm Springs for $17.5 million, which was groundbreaking at the time. So lots of money being thrown around at Sundance. The name of the game is sort of changing with Sundance now with the streaming platforms getting into it and, um, you know, having a lot more money to throw around in terms of acquiring these titles for their platforms and competing with the traditional studios for the rights to these films. So that's interesting, something to keep an eye on. And also on the note of the streaming platforms, HBO Max just hit its subscriber goal of nearly 40 million subscribers two years ahead of schedule. So it looks like things are exploding over there. IMDb. TV, which is a subsidiary of Amazon uh, streaming, is now available on Roku as its own app. And for those of you into voiceover and anime, Crunchyroll just hit 4 million subscribers, so that's big news for them. Other than that, we can go ahead and get into things, and I will turn things over to Erica now. Hey! Hey! (laughs) What's up? I decided to have Erica on because I've known Erica for a couple years. Um, We actually didn't meet through acting and I'm super excited to talk to you about acting, Erica, because we've always just like had mutual friends. I met Erica because I was working in a restaurant that her girlfriend worked at and a bunch of her mutual friends that she used to work at. And then we just kind of started hanging out through that, but we'd never met through anything um, acting related, haven't really discussed acting. So I'm pretty excited to see what you're about in that regard. But yeah, if you just want to introduce yourself and say who you are, where you're from, that sort of thing. Uh, so hello, I'm Erica Lynn Smolsinski. I had to throw in the middle name for you there. Uh, originally from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, currently in Los Angeles, California, you know, went to school for acting 
decided, hey, let's try this, you know, <laughs> in it, you know, let's let's go for the let's shoot for the moon here. You're the first so. guest that actually studied acting in a four year degree. <laughs> what? Oh, dude. Yeah. No. So I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life a little bit in the beginning because I went to community college, but I took an acting class there and was like, oh, this is it. This is what I need to be. <laughs> um so yeah, uh, studied acting, came out here, have been on the grind since 2014, dude. Nothing to show for it, and I love it. <laughs> but hey, you just did a pilot. I did, I did, for a reality show. So that's yeah. just based off my personality. No acting <laughs> skills were involved. Actually, there were acting <laughs> skills involved. There was. Reality show was actually acting, dude. Also, you're just a first. character, so that'll yeah. take you far. <laughs> it, it did, apparently. They wanted to hire me. Yeah, um, just like before we get started, do you, you know, have any news you'd like to share? You know, anything else you'd like to discuss in your acting career? Anything you're excited about you'd like to get us up to date on? Um, so because acting has kind of slowed down a little bit, everything's at home now. Um, Mm -hmm. I started getting to Twitch streaming. So video games, primarily. The thing about Twitch that's really cool is that there's so many different lingos that I have zero clue about because I'm old. <laughs> I am. Aaron, I'm older than you. I was, <laughs> I was like, wait, you're not 45. You're so smart. <laughs> this chick is like insanely intelligent and she's younger than me. Oh yeah. my God. So it's okay. I just want to die. But we'll kill um, everybody before we tell any of you how old we actually are. You can guess based off the photo that she posts, but you're not going to guess it. <laughs> I got those chubby little cheeks, baby. Certainly, we're all looking a lot older after this year. Oh, my God, dude. And fatter, bro. For real. Like, everyone got fat. It's cool. So, I'm doing Twitch streaming, uh, which I got into in the summer-ish, which I didn't really know about. A lot of people don't even know about this streaming service, but it provides a lot of comfort for people. It's kind of like um, if gamers or people who enjoy gaming or just other aspects of, like, not watching sports. It's, like, their version of watching sports. Yeah. Um, because it's live. It's live. It's, like, a live radio-ish show, which I think is more the route I want to go in terms of uh, acting-ish. Yeah, that seems like it suits you really well. I haven't actually watched your Twitch stream yet, but that sounds like a really good medium for you. You know what I'm saying? Link in bio, Aaron. Click the link. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, it is. I, I, I wanted to do more voiceover stuff. My buddy George got me into that. I, I feel like the other thing, we, talk, we talked about meeting in a restaurant. The thing about acting, too, is that, what, 90% of the of restaurant industry are actors uh, or in the biz. At least in L.A. Yeah. So you just meet so many people that way and connect with a lot of people, which has led me down different paths. They don't really teach you how to be an actor, in acting school, no. they teach you how to act, not the business side and the promotion and the marketing side of it. Yeah, I think is- like you're lucky if you go to a studio where the teachers are still involved in the industry in any way. I mean, I've studied in a lot of different acting classes at this point, and almost none of the instructors that I've had um, were presently working actors or had been engaged in the business in any way, in some cases like 20 or 30 years, which shouldn't mean that they couldn't be a great acting teacher. But yeah, there's not really any guidance in a lot of cases and how to actually survive or, you know, tackle the prospect of starting an acting career. 
I've been only going at this for six years now and so hard, like so many ups and downs. When you get callbacks, you feel like you're going somewhere and then you don't get the job and it just really hurts. You know, it's hard to not let that affect you. I just went off in a direction. No. That was the original question. You were talking about Twitch and how that was like sort of a new medium for you and something. (laughs) But yeah, no, I mean, that's great. I think it it really does sort of sum up what is expected of us as actors now and what you really have to do to even get your foot in the door and get in any room is you have to show what else you have going and you have to find alternative routes to get there. The market's so saturated with so many actors that have so much experience, especially in L.A., So you really have to find tools to exhibit yourself and your talents and find new ways to reach people. A lot of people want to see you have followers, be posting and all that stuff. And I really honestly despise social media. And yeah, it's hard. It's really hard because and I hate, I hate marketing for myself. So Mm -hmm. it's hard for me to just put my ego aside and put myself out there. But once I did, once I did, I started to gain followers and I actually started making money off of it, which was insane. Off of Twitch? Off of Twitch and off of TikTok. Wow. Because I joined the creator fund and you get money per, I think, thousands of views on your videos. I don't think it's based off a of like. I think it's based off of views, which is better, I guess. We're not mm-hmm. going the Black Mirror out here. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, 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 and it pushes you to, I guess, want to put out more content because you're like, this can be a source of income. And it's a more fulfilling source of income than having to fucking fill your waters or fill your iced teas because you're parched. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's... Starting off in this industry from literally ground zero, because I don't, I didn't know anyone in the industry. I got lucky and I did get an agent immediately moving out here. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, because I, my master's program, they did a showcase. You had the option of New York or LA. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to do New York because I had known New York. I, I'm from Philadelphia, so it's only a two hour drive. I wanted to challenge myself. What an idiot I am. Um, <laughs> Also, because of film, I felt like I was better suited for film and voiceover. But again, you think you know what you want to do when you come out here, and then you just are bombarded with all of this. And at least for me, it was difficult because I have ADD to really hone in on what I wanted to explore and exploit within myself. And I got really lucky because I had, I have a pretty good agent. Also, uh, I'm a weirdo and I look weird. So that helps too. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? A character. I this, yeah, I definitely have that going because I know of friends out here who are fucking goages, who are having a lot of issues trying to get any auditions in general. No, that's something that um, it's a double-edged sword. Obviously, more conventionally attractive-looking people, I think, are finding themselves in a worse spot in this industry than they've been in a long time. And you have to just know your type. Like, am I, you know, a leading actor or am I a character actor? And the leading actors are the people that are insanely beautiful. And then everyone else is a character actor is generally like how it falls traditionally. But now you see those boundaries sort of starting to erode because I think Hollywood is finally catching up with this idea that people don't have to look like Ken and Barbie. 
Barbie to be beautiful or interesting. And yeah, like I don't watch TV because I want to see a beautiful person. Maybe people did 20 or 30 years ago, but like I think it draws your interest more when someone has quirk to them or when you can see these aspects that make them a unique human and differentiate them from other people. I think that that kind of compels an audience these days more than just, you know, someone being hot. The thing that for me too is like when you're acting, you're telling the story of another human being and the fact Mm -hmm. that it's taken so fucking long to have proper representations of human beings Mm -hmm. is just it's crazy that it's taken us this long in england it hasn't taken us long they they like to cast ugly people is what i was told (laughs) (laughs) they're like you're gonna fit in really well in england i said why like (laughs) <laughs> I don't understand why. Wait, do you have like a personal connection to England or is this... Yeah, dude, I went to uh, the Birmingham Conservatoire. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I got some pretty good training there, dude. They're yeah, that really, sounds amazing. They really beat the fucking shit out of me there, dude. <laughs> I got, they were like, oh, you're American and you're an asshole? Let's beat that out of you right now. That's um, great. It was good. I mean, it was honestly, it was one of the best experiences. And then I saw the industry over there compared to here and I said, oh my god it really is it's it's such a big difference Mm. um because they actually cast real people yeah i remember the first representation i saw of like a bisexual was in gray's anatomy and like 2000 yeah 2008 or something something. yeah (laughs) like being gay I i don't know if i mentioned that i mentioned you had a girlfriend oh okay cool yeah yeah, so, I mean, you could also tell by the depth of my voice, probably, as well, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, but being gay, that's, like, and not seeing representation, that's so hard for people, like, and I can't imagine. Or just, like, oh, God, like, just the long slew of TV tropes of, like, the kill your gays going on, yeah. how many lesbians I've seen killed over the years, it's just, <laughs> oh. And I'm dead because it's 100% accurate. It's true. Yeah, no, it's true. There had to be a negative connotation associated with you coming out or being gay within any television show or production, even plays, even theater. It's it's sad. And I'm glad it started to shift. And I hate to, I mean, I know she's canceled right now, but Ellen really kind of... (laughs) <laughs> she did, dude. She laid a lot of groundwork. She laid yeah. a lot of groundwork for the lesbians because, you know, we don't, we're not really out there. I mean, how many lesbians do you know? Probably two. Probably me. <laughs> you and your girlfriend. No. It's, you know, we're, we're not as common out there. Uh, um, and so the fact that we are, this industry is shifting towards a, a, a more, yes, authentic, an actual representation of human beings in general is great for people who look like like uh, like we're just you know normal everyday Joe Schmo. Yeah, yeah, but that's something like we talk about a lot on my other podcast, Meta Machina, um, just about like representation in media and specifically of women because that's been you know our experience. But I mean, like a huge factor that I think is is interesting and just kind of mind fucking that you know it's taken the industry so long to catch on is like it's 
profitable. When you have film and TV that show a more diverse array of people that more people can relate to and more people can see their experience and their stories sort of portrayed through a character on film or TV, it draws audiences in and it creates a more like loyal fan base that is then willing to spend their money and willing to go see the film. And um, like, I think people are tired of sort of seeing the same the same story of like the same white dude like told over and over and over again and you know it's just so important to have that representation in media and I'm just really happy to see that like the dollars which is ultimately always going to be what speaks or moves any weight in this industry is like is it profitable it shakes out oh dude for sure that's what I was gonna say at the end of the day it's about making money for them they want to make money and you need to reach a broader audience to do that now because we're fucking sick of it, like, at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to buy into this bullshit anymore. Yeah, because, like, like, we don't have, like, it used to be that there were, you know, 20 TV shows to choose from, and then you just kind of had to pick, like, which one was, like, kind of okay or whatever. But, like, now people have so many options for content. Like, there were more TV shows. What was it, last year? There were, like, 650 TV shows airing or something across the platforms, which oh, was up shit. from, like, which was up from, like, 500 or something the year before. I mean, it's really growing like exponentially and don't quote me on those numbers because they're not 100% accurate but it's something (laughs) like that and yeah it's just people don't have to sit and watch content that doesn't speak to them anymore because they have a million other shows to choose from honestly it's it's netflix that really started that i just remember um orange is new black when yeah that came out that was so big for women that show which before, because Jenji Cohen had written Weeds and done Weeds, which you're like, yes, Nancy Botwin is one of the best yeah. female characters of all time, mm-hmm. for sure, love it, but they didn't think that an all-female cast would work, and in my opinion, the first couple seasons of Orange is the New Black really kind of shook the fucking industry a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so the fact that there is more representation, that they're, that they're aiming to, yeah, represent actual human beings. It makes it a little, little bit more attainable to be an actor. Yeah. If, if you, yeah, if you're not the conventional hottie with body. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> All right. Well, you kind of touched on a lot of like my first couple questions. In that regard, I guess I would just ask pertaining to you and LA specifically, do you think work has been like particularly difficult? Obviously, getting work as an actor in general is hard. But like, do you think that you personally have struggled with booking versus other people that are sort of in your career stage? So I got lucky again with getting the agent. I'm not saying that's the end all be all because they're getting 10%. So they're doing 10% of the work. But that really helps you get a foot in the door with certain casting directors that you would not necessarily have just with your face and submitting. I've gotten very lucky over the years and have gotten major auditions that I fucking blew. What I have learned is that failing at these auditions and just failing so many times has gotten me better because you can't being attached to the outcome has been that was really hard on me in the beginning so i have had auditions a lot of auditions and a lot of callbacks and the thing is is that i'm trying to build a relationship with these casting directors by trying to bring consistent work every time i do an audition but at the end of the day the outcome is out of your hands it's out of your hands the other thing i've noticed too is that don't fucking be fake that is like biggest thing they fucking hate 
They hate that so much. What do you mean by being fake? I mean, I know what being fake is, but like, you know, do you think you're you're talking about, you know, kind of actors being like ass kissers and being disingenuous when it comes to kind of trying to like suck up to casting or like what are some like examples that you've seen? Okay, so I don't know if you've ever experienced this, Aaron. Well, I had an audition once. This is part of when I had this realization, don't be a fake hoe, was when I had this audition for a, a gaming system. For some reason, they let us, it was so busy that they let us sit on the couch and watch other people's auditions. How terrifying is that? Anyway. um, That sounds like my nightmare. It's, (laughs) I didn't give a shit because I knew, the the other thing was, is I knew the casting director. So I just had a good time. Um, Yeah, don't put on a performance if they're asking questions about yourself. Also, yes, sucking up to casting directors, they fucking hate that shit they automatically want it to end versus someone who coming in and saying hey how's it going yeah i don't know if i answered that question my question was has getting work been difficult for you and to your point yeah i think you know you sort of touched on some things that you've picked up and if you actually just want to talk about maybe what's the most challenging thing for you as an actor personally honestly having the money having enough money to spend huge obstacle it's huge, massive. That's why I said earlier, if you don't come for money or you don't know anyone in the industry, it's going to be pretty difficult for you. I know a lot of people in this industry that have a four-year degree, like myself included. I have white-collar job experience. I've done the nine-to-five, although it was more like a six to four in the morning like when I did it. But, you know, I could go get a finance job in LA if I wanted to. I could go get something that paid well and kept me stable. But the flip side of that is that you aren't available for auditions when you take a job like that because auditions happen in the daytime. They happen Monday through Friday. And I mean, my acting teacher at Elizabeth Messing Acting Studio, Elizabeth, she said that when you get to the second year of the program, like she doesn't even offer night classes because of what a lot of people will do when they first come to LA, they'll work like a nine to five job and then they'll go to acting class at night. And she kind of acts the, um, the ability to even attend class in the evening when you reach a certain part in your training because it's important for her that actors restructure their lives to where they will be available for auditions in the daytime that they're able to have that flexibility to work when when actors work because if you don't make that transition then you're never going to be able to book the job and for me like money's been an enormous struggle you know I've been broke the two years I've been out here and it's really frustrating having come from a place of financial stability with like my past job and the kind of work I used to do but at the same time, like bartending is what I have to do out here because I have to make my money at night so that I'm free in the day. Dude, yeah, I remember you talking about that, like shifting your life. I can't imagine that because as soon as I moved out here, I got a restaurant job immediately mm-hmm. because when I had a conversation with my agent, because he said, all right, what's your next step right now? Like, what what do you think your next step is? And I said, get a fucking job. Like, I need this is a very expensive city. I need to be able to survive. And he asked me what I had previous job experience in. I told him I worked for a bank. Uh, I worked, you know, in retail. Um, I've worked in a restaurant. He's like, yep, restaurant job, which is like so shitty. And that's why we said like most of the uh, restaurant industry out here in LA are actors or are in the industry. Mm-hmm. Working in the restaurant industry creates flexibility because you have, yes, you have your daytimes free and you can give up shifts whenever you need, which is super convenient. But 
this, the um, the other end of that is that it's not consistent money. It's also draining on your soul. This happened where I had an audition for Netflix. I was so pissed because I was working when I got the audition and I had to work until almost midnight. And then the audition was at 11 in the morning and I had to learn a fucking two page monologue. And I was so pissed that I had to be working and not being able to focus on what I really wanted to do, which is hard to not think about too, when you're doing it. Cause it also, it just leads to, you know, anxiety and all that other stuff. But, um, I think the big thing to learn if you don't come from money or you don't know someone in the industry, if you are coming fresh into this and have to get a restaurant job or, or something that creates stability financially, um, is that Yes, you need your daytimes free, but it's all about time management. The time management and being disciplined. Like, you're probably way better at that than me. I didn't uh, used to be good at all with time management. I used, I used to be like an extremely type B person until it really, I feel like, started getting in the way of stuff that I wanted to do. Um, but I had a boss one time that gave me like a planner and I started using it and that doesn't work for everybody, but like it really worked for me. And ever since, I really do like every year I buy planners. I keep a daily log. Like I'll have six or seven things I want to accomplish in each day. Literally, if it's so much as like go for a walk, I'll write it down, you know, because like exercise is important to me or send card in the mail or whatever. And just making sure that I have, you know, a list of priorities and stuff that I'm focusing on that I can kind of like check the box and hold myself accountable that I'm doing stuff. I mean, otherwise, just nothing gets done. Right? No, literally, Chris and I had this conversation the other day, because we've been really busy with the Twitch and the TikTok for me. And like, the thing with Twitch is that you're running you so you're running your own like radio show at this point. And you have to do it's a lot of technological things that I was not used to a lot of research. But we had mm-hmm. to start doing to-do lists, like, which, seriously, dude, like, you saying that, and then I just applied it, it actually does work. Because, mm-hmm. again, you are holding yourself accountable at that point. You have no one to be upset at but yourself. It's a lot of work when you're working for yourself. It is a lot of work. Yeah. You have to be disciplined. You have to create goals. You have to be focused. You have to put your content out there. Like I was reading something where it said, at least for Twitch, this doesn't necessarily have to be for any project you're doing, but you need to be uploading a couple videos a day, which... Yeah, I mean, like I've thought about like when I was, for example, like when I was sort of brainstorming with this podcast or like with the the other gals on my other one, you know, we've definitely like explored YouTube as a medium, for example, but the amount of content that you have to generate to be able to effectively utilize the algorithm in any way, it's just it's a full time job. It's plus, dude. I keep like apologizing to Kristen because I said, I'm just trying to figure out how to time manage this because this is a lot. Because, dude, learning how to edit on Adobe, bro. Oh my God. I've like touched the iceberg with that and it's too much. Like it's, it's, it's so overwhelming. Your the capabilities of that program are insane. So I like the one day I spent fucking six hours on a 37 second video, a 37 second wow. video. And I was so pissed. I mean, yeah, like for me, like 15 minutes of podcast recording comes out to about an hour of editing. Yeah. It, look at that. 
But and people were like, "Hey, just put yourself out there." You know? It's not so easy. Yeah, all this to say, I guess, like, this all started because I asked you what's been a struggle for you and you said money. But I think, yeah, this this really highlights how important it is to financially prepare for coming out here as an actor. I mean, full disclosure, I came out here with, like, 15 grand and most of it was gone within, like, the first couple months. Oh my God, you came out here with 15 grand? God bless your soul, dude. <laughs> it's hard, especially, like, it took me, like, two months to actually get hired at a job and you, you go around and there's different restaurants that only want to put you on the schedule for two days a week or, you know, you can't find a place that has like the level of volume that you need to be able to make the tips that you need to survive. And I mean, two months of living in LA with no income, it was crushing. And the expensive headshots, like anywhere from six, $700 to $1,500 for a session, it's expensive as fuck. Like if you need a demo reel, if you need like scenes shot for your reel, that can range anywhere from one to $5,000. It's classes, insane. You know, classes, classes are a, a standard about 300 a month. It's incredibly expensive and all those things are necessary for success. So you really have to have a financial plan and you have to sort of diversify yourself so that you're not just solely dependent on your restaurant job. And I fucking hate this because, you know, like I'm someone, especially if you listen to my other show, like I'm very vocally critical of like our current state of economy in the US. And I hate, I hate the gig economy. I think it's fucked up that people... People can't survive on one job. I hate that you have to have three jobs sometimes to be able to make ends meet. I think it's terrible, but it's just the way that it is and it's the system we live in and until things change, it's just the game you got to play and so you just have to find different income streams and you have to be able to strategize so that you're not just completely reliant on one job. I mean, especially like what happens if you book a job that your restaurant job doesn't want to let you off work for for two weeks and you got to go film in New Mexico or something like you have to be able to prepare for being fired or you know prepare for getting your hours severely cut as like a retaliation when you come back like you have to be able to support yourself or have other pillars of support to get you through those times because they happen Oh, 100. Th- that's so crazy that you said New Mexico and like getting a job because this guy I worked with, that was literally his situation. I mean, I said it because it's common. So many people here, one of my friends right now, she just booked something in New Mexico and she's been gone for like a couple months actually. But like, then she was like, had to deal with the whole shit of like, what do I do with my apartment? How do I find a sublet during COVID? Like, am I just going to have to pay rent in LA while also, you know, living in New Mexico? It's a mess. And it's, it's incredibly common that. It is. Is. And this guy I worked with got really lucky because the managers really liked him. So they said, yeah, whatever you need, dude. Which is awesome if you can find that. That's even what my agent said to me. Back to when we were talking about my agent asking me what jobs I had in the past. He said I need to get a restaurant job, which I said, yeah, yeah, that was the plan. But he also said, he said, make sure you work your fucking ass off to make sure One, that they love you and that they can give you the schedule that you need to be able to do this. And so that's what I did. So I got really lucky with El Frisco's, dude, because I opened that restaurant in Pasadena. 
I opened it and then I became like the lead runner expo and stuff like that, which allowed yeah. me one to have insurance was the big thing was I didn't have to pay for health insurance. So that saved me. That's huge, especially because so many restaurants in LA, because I think in California, I believe at serving jobs, anything over 23 hours a week or something is considered full time or you're eligible for benefits. And so what a lot of restaurants will do is give you 22 hours a week. Yeah, little fucks. Yeah. (laughs) They are. They're just like, so, yeah. So if you find a restaurant that is willing to work with you, which most of them are because they all are dealing with actors or people in the industry, like a lot of people are in the music industry, you know. Or people that are your restaurant manager because they used to be a server because they initially came to LA to be an actor. literally most of my managers but i did have a manager who um she studied hospitality management which she was one of the best ones i had she was so understanding like if i had an audition or anything she didn't care because i communicated that's the other thing communication holy hell i learned that communication is the key to fucking success because you have all these mm-hmm. things going on in your head if you're not communicating them, people aren't gonna fucking know what's happening. So communicating with your bosses, like, hey, like anytime I would book a job or like I'd have a callback, I'd call in that I was gonna be late or I'd call out. Like <laughs> I made my restaurant job a priority in the beginning. So that when I got to that point, as you said, when you get to a point, you build a relationship with them. It's okay to call out. Like it's okay to fucking do that. Yeah, but you got to be picking up shifts, and you got to be available, and you got to be flexible up front, so that they know it's a symbiotic relationship where you're both, you know, giving. That is very important, and I did that right away. I knew I had to do that. What about class? Have you taken many classes since you graduated your degree program? Are there any classes you're looking forward to um, enrolling in in the future or sort of where are you at with that? Great question. So since I had my degree in acting and already taking a titload of acting classes, I wanted to try something different. So I started to take improv classes at Upright Citizens Brigade in Hollywood. Um, Which is now permanently closed due to COVID RIP. Oh, yeah. And they're definitely closing in the future. But I took a few classes to help me. This was initially to help me get better with commercial auditions. Most commercial auditions are improvised. They want you to just be yourself and improv the scene. Yeah, and most commercial agents won't take you without improv school experience on your resume. Oh, they love to see that. And that's what even my agent said. He's like, people love to see improv. So if you take an improv class, do comedy stuff, like you're such a weirdo, you got to do comedy. So And you're funny. I mean, you know, I naturally have the timing down a little bit. I just (laughs) consider myself a fucking weirdo. You know what I'm saying? We're all fucking psychos. So I took classes at UCB, which felt like it was not really going anywhere. I wasn't enjoying it. I really enjoyed the skill that I gained from being able to think a little quicker on my feet for audition purposes. But I didn't enjoy it, which I said to myself, I'm not spending $500 again if I'm not really enjoying this, which then I I started to get doing a podcast, started to get shift my ideas towards more voiceover stuff because I was more confident in that and was able to be more vulnerable 
in that industry. So I wanted to start taking voiceover classes. I said, yeah, I got my tax refund. Yo, this is back in January, February, right? <laughs> Low and behold. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I want to do. I want to do voiceover stuff, radio in some capacity. Like, I, I got to try this. So that was my next step. And then COVID happened. And then I was super bummed out. So then this is what led me to start making videos on TikTok. <laughs> The moral of the story is make sure if you're going to be dropping five or six hundred dollars on a class, you've done the research on whoever's running the class, the school, because mm -hmm. most of the time they're just trying to get your money and they're not, they don't yeah. really care about it. There's a lot of schools out here that are just cash cows. 100. So, and I learned that because don't get me wrong, like I still grew as a human being and grew as a performer taking the improv classes because how could you not? It's improv. They're still teaching you. But you, as you take these classes and as you do stuff out here, you learn how to brand yourself and you learn more about what's going to work for you. And I shifted out of the improv world and just started doing voiceover stuff because, dude, there's no, they don't care about what you look like. You know, they mm -hmm. just imagine it in your mind and speak it. And I really like that. Yeah, I haven't done any voiceover. Um, I've done podcasting, obviously, which has like some crossover with like that world. But I've heard that voiceover acting sort of has a pretty unique vulnerability to it because you don't have all these other factors to sort of distract people with. They're not looking at your cute face. They're not looking at, you know, what you're doing on stage. They're just listening to your voice and the emotion you can bring to it. And you're not on a set thinking of a million things, you know what I'm saying? It's just I'm honing in mm -hmm. on my voice and what I think this character is and how I'm imagining it. And then they give you direction from there. You get to redo it as many times as you need. And that's kind right. of amazing. And there's not as much pressure for me personally, because that's the thing is like the pressure gives me anxiety, which leads to a shitty performance for me. And shifting into just a voiceover stuff, I think is personally a better route for me. Because also the other thing was, is I should have listened to my college professors back at Temple University when they said, you would be great in voiceover. You would do so well. I think you should focus on that. Yeah, should have listened to them. Should have listened to them because I could have been at least six years into the voiceover industry and making connections that way. But alas, the day, here we are, Aaron. But again, I'm not mad. I'm not mad that I spent this money, went through all this garbage to get to where I am now because... I'm learning what works for me and the direction in which I want to take my career, which is more voiceover and like live radio kind of shit. You know yeah. what I'm saying? No, I think you're really well suited to that, which I guess, yeah, on that note, what do you think um, some of your greatest successes so far have been since you started on this acting journey? So I did book a few jobs. I've booked some commercial work. Do you just have one agent? Is it a theatrical and commercial? Yes, okay. theatrical and commercial. For me, primarily commercial though because that's what I'm honestly need what I've learned is that I'm best suited for that because they just want you to be yourself and so I just talk and they're like wow that was a great job and you're like okay <laughs> so biggest successes are probably just I don't know if this is sad to say but I think my biggest success is is how much I've evolved as a human being 
not even like work wise, because yeah, I've booked jobs, but how much I've learned from failing a lot, yeah. a lot of times, a lot of times. Also booking, because, you know, I've done a Facebook, I've done State Farm, I did a music video, um, mm-hmm. I've gotten really far in certain auditions, I've gotten callbacks, you know, and I've had pretty prolific auditions as well for, like, Netflix and HBO and shit, but mm-hmm. the fact that I even got in the room is, to me... It's huge, yeah. It's fucking huge. So... I think for me, my big, biggest success is evolving as a human being and gaining more discipline as a human being to figure out then what I want to do, which I guess is all you can hope for. Because if you're staying stagnant and not doing like, yeah, you can audition, audition, try and get work. But if you're not evolving, building relationships, because it's all about balance, you know, with life work Mm. so being able to find that balance as a human being has probably been been my biggest biggest success so far um that's great i guess that's good what about um so just shifting more to focus on like what you've been doing so you booked a pilot i know you probably can't talk too much about that because it hasn't been picked up it hasn't aired but um is there anything you can share sort of about what that process was like i know you had to quarantine for two weeks to be able to shoot anything that you can share in regard for like what that process was like and what you're sort of you know i guess what the next steps would that look like yeah so i had a quarantine for two weeks the reality show i i can say it's a cooking reality show Mm -hmm. which is where my restaurant industry uh background came in clutch yeah that's awesome i watched so much like baking show and hell's kitchen and that kind of shit yeah so i think the thing that's that was so weird about this show because so i got the audition and the initial interview through a friend who knew the casting director so here's where connections come in yeah that network yep so i got it through someone else which it felt like there wasn't pressure then. So I just was talking to this casting director like she was my friend, which we were personal. Like we had a mutual friend, which really helped. It helped me allow myself be open, which then allowed these producers and these people who were working on this production to see something in myself that I did not believe in. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was just talk, I was talking about myself, blah, blah, blah. They're really good at that with reality TV. They're really good with reality television. These producers is finding the right people. They've done this for a long time. They know what the fuck they're doing. So the big thing for me was in this television show, I was offered a specific role that was terrifying, Aaron. The things I had to do, <laughs> terrifying. And I said to them, I said, are you guys sure? You guys sure? They're, they go, no, we, you, we think you're the best for this. And I go, I guess if you think I'm the best for this, I guess that makes it okay then. Because, wow, yeah. Yeah, because I didn't believe in myself enough to do that, which fucking blew my mind, dude, because it was acting. I had to act the entire time. And it was wow. fucking hard, dude. Even when we weren't shooting, I was acting because... Because of, I, yeah, just the structure of it. Yes, the structure of it was I had to act my tits off, dude. My heart was fucking racing the entire time, dude. So scared. But yeah. this comes back to acting school and what the head of my acting said. He said, we are giving you the tools... So that when you are at the right place, at the right time, you can exploit those tools and use that in any situation you need. 
which I did. Even though it was reality television, I needed to use those tools, which again, a lot of people don't understand that reality television is all staged, all planned, all fake. It's all acting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, but yeah, not believing in myself, but these other people, these people who just met me, who had no idea who I was, were like, no, you're the best for this. I was... And they're people, yeah, who have been doing it a long time and clearly know what they're talking about. Yes. So that's the other thing is if you can find these casting directors or these producers who believe in you, that's huge. Like, that's... Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, because they really liked working with me. They said, we hope this gets picked up so we can bring you guys back. Um, Yeah, because me and this other guy really bonded and we created a great material for them, you know, great entertainment. Mm -hmm. We just brought it. Of course, I was fucking terrified because how could you not be this is like well this was one of my first big things right first really big things that i was like on set all fucking day for like 16 hours right doing that and maintaining it was a good exercise and learning that you don't even realize what you have like you don't even know until other people tell you you don't think you have it in you and you get beaten down all these years of auditioning and stuff and not getting shit and then when you book you're like yeah i guess i'm okay like i don't fucking know did they give you any transparency or insight as to like when they might expect to hear back or anything like that or you just kind of like you know done with that moving on to the next waiting in limbo so with any job this is usually how it goes there's no communication with the actors um yeah that's what i I figured i just wanted you to elaborate on that (laughs) (laughs) literally never dude i had i booked a um i didn't even find out the location of the shoot until the morning of the shoot i was shitting my pants dude i go can someone tell me where i had to message the costume designer because she had texted me to get my sizes i had to message her to go hey i know this is not your job whatsoever but can you give me the location of the shoot I know it's in Torrance. I know nothing else. And she goes, oh my God, I'm so sorry. So people in this industry are Act- so busy. Yeah, actors are the last thing that they're thinking about. You're not important, which is the other thing I've look- come to realize is please don't have a fucking ego going into this industry because <laughs> you are not, you are literally the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> Just like changing the topic a little bit. I haven't spoken with you yet about are you union or are you union eligible or have you worked? on many union sets if any at all okay so i am non-union i am sag eligible i became SAG eligible so there's little tricks to doing this if you feel you're ready to join join the union me and my friend emily that i met in grad school we started our own web series but if you have an actor who is in sag who is in the union and they work on your production Your production then becomes SAG eligible. Really weird how it works. The little loopholes you can use. But I still don't personally think I'm ready for SAG. When you're joining the union, you're saying, I'm ready to go up against Meryl Streep. Like, I'm ready to go up against Viola Davis. Like, you're ready to fucking bring it. And I still don't believe that I'm ready Yeah, so I'm not union. I am eligible. I don't see myself joining unless I get tapped hardly in, but... So you just became eligible because you had a union actor working on your project? Yeah, 
isn't that wild? So it seems like you go out, do you do like a lot of self-submissions on like LA casting, actors access, etc.? Or how often would you say you do audition? Recently, I've been getting a decent amount of auditions. Like I say decent for me because Mm -hmm. I don't get that many, but it's been like one or two a week. Um, That's good. Just a lot for me. A lot of actors only go out like once a month. Like there have been periods of time where I was only going out once a month. Which, again, I focusing on other things when I'm not auditioning is kind of the key because then you're just going to be so upset that you're not getting auditions. But recently, I've been getting really good auditions, too. And it, and the thing that I've noticed is that it's a lot of the times I'm getting the same casting director calling me in. That's the way to do it. It is, because it takes so many times for them to remember you. So all I'm trying to do is just bring consistent work. I had an audition when I was in quarantine, dude. So I had to fucking have Kristen drop off all this filming stuff for me to be able to film a self-tape in the fucking bathroom of the hotel. Wow. But because... I was like, okay, I I filmed it by myself. So I just, you know, had 30 minutes of clips to go through because I'm a fucking perfectionist when I'm doing it by myself and nobody else is helping me. I Mm -hmm. just make sure that I, I just go until I feel like it's right. I got another audition because of that. So I get a decent amount. But the thing for me is like, again, not being attached to the outcome of the audition Obviously, putting in the work for the audition as much as you can, but just don't care about it after it's done. Just even while you're doing it, just stop trying to perfect it. Just just do the best you can. And when you consistently do that, you will start to notice the results. It's like fucking working out and eating right. Consistency, baby. It's for sure. It's it's a big thing. It's super effective. Based off of experience, I'm not trying to give life advice. You're right. What about, um, how do you think your current materials are working for you? Like, I I assume you have headshots and a reeler at the very least, like some clips. Um, Yeah, my headshots, I got my headshots. (laughs) Dude, I need to get new headshots. That's a good question. Thank you for reminding me. (laughs) And I have a voiceover reel that I use for my voiceover stuff, which actually my buddy George helped me out with. Um, And then usually if they're like, oh, you have a comedy reel? I'm like, no, bro. Like, I've never booked work. So I just, I send them my TikTok videos. What has gotten Which is what they're looking for at this point. (laughs) Yeah. So I said, you should have a comedy reel. Like, for sure. I'm not telling you not to have a comedy reel. Definitely need a comedy real i just haven't gotten the work in order to do that i have material like from my web series and from tiktok that i send people if they look are looking for something to decide that but other than that i don't have one and you should have one what about um i mean you've touched on it a little bit but just big picture like what do you think the next steps are for you um you know you're saying you're focusing on getting more into voiceover and expanding your twitch channel expanding your tiktok following you you know, do you have like a, a solid goal that you're working towards right now? Or are you just kind of like feeling out those mediums and seeing where they grow? So a bit of both, a bit of both. I'm researching a lot and figuring out what content is going to be received the best in order for me, I hate this, to get followers to then get people to subscribe to my channel. Right. That's for Twitch. For voiceover stuff, I'm waiting until COVID kind of eases out of society and stuff opens back up so that I'm able to go to a voiceover studio and take a class and have the full experience because they're still offering voiceover classes. It's different online. 
it's different online. It's different. And they're still, they're not even giving you a discount, which a lot of places I heard were giving you a discount on classes, but some of the studios I was looking into are not. So I said, um, I'm just going to wait and I'm going to work on Twitch because let me tell you, Twitch is a full-time job. So mm-hmm. right now I'm definitely doing more research than actually pushing out material, but I have been figuring out ways to create solid entertainment and content, pushing it out in order to be able to work for myself and make money using Twitch as a platform, YouTube and TikTok. Yeah. Um, So that's kind of where I'm at. That's great if you can get there and have that be your job enough to where you're like making your money from that. I mean, obviously, it begs the question of like, well, where do you fit in time for acting into that? But I mean, that's a way to sort of circumvent like the traditional, you know, audition route if you're if you're meeting people that like you and already see your content. And, you know, I know it happens all the time. People just get cast in things from their TikTok or or YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at. It's, it's all learning, living and learning. And are there uh, any things that you like really wish that you had done differently? I wish I would have gotten into voiceover earlier. Yeah, I don't know. I wish as we spoke about that in college, they don't teach you how to be an actor. I wish we would have had more classes on how to fucking audition. I wish I would have taken more classes on that. Wishing, I guess, is a bad word. Yeah. You You can't like dwell on the past, but yeah, if if you could do it differently. If I could, I definitely would have just gone right into voiceover Mm -hmm. and focused my energy on that. But again, we're learning. Not everybody figures it out (laughs) right away. Right. Like, I know people who have been successful immediately in acting and who are struggling like me and who I still think are amazing actors being consistent showing you're not a huge asshole in the audition and <laughs> which you know seems I mean? to be harder than you would think for a lot <laughs> oh, of people dude. what about um just to sort of wrap things up who's a dream come true for you to work with oh that's a great question I've been watching The Crown recently. I tried to watch that. I couldn't really get into it, but... Aaron just gave it five episodes. Okay. (laughs) Just the first five episodes, and then you're going to be hooked because it's really good. But honestly, who I... So the past two seasons, the queen has been played by Olivia Coleman. She won the Oscar for The Favorite. Probably her, and then also Kathy Bates because she... Fuck yeah. Dude, she's just the fucking... She has made a fucking career out of being a character actress, and that is very difficult to sustain, and I respect her so much for that. Also, probably Viola Davis, because holy shit, she's amazing. But the actresses that I want to work with are the ones who just let themselves go there. The, The actresses that just go there and allow you to escape your life for just a minute even if it's just a minute those are the set me free (laughs) yes dude like legit the fact that you literally have taped like i i don't see anything else but what is on the screen right now those are the actresses i want to work with the ones who can convey Mm -hmm. the slightest feeling through their eyeballs which allows it to reach the audience with the camera. I just am so impressed by those people. What about projects? Any like big upcoming like shows or uh, productions you've heard about? Anything you're really excited about? I would have loved to be able to work on Broad City. That would have been a huge show I would have loved to work on. I wanted to get the, the option to audition for... I saw Abby Jacobson was doing A League of Their Own. 
Um, and I wanted the, uh, <laughs> you'd be so and good I, for that. <laughs> I know, dude. That's what I'm saying. Cause I was like, Oh my God, I fucking look like Rosie O'Donnell and I can play softball cause I'm a lesbian. So, you know, <laughs> these things were hand in hand. It was like going to be perfect. But, and I like messaged my agent. I said, Hey, they're casting for this. Do you like know this casting director? Could you like get me in there? I, I did it. I, I took the step. I didn't pressure him too much. You got to do that. You got to be upfront, yeah. like not pushy. It's a fine line to walk, but. You have to take that initiative. Yeah. The thing is, is like what the other thing I've come to learn is it's okay to ask for what you want. Like it's okay to ask for things. Exactly. And I think I think it's appreciated because it shows that you have a vision and you know what you want and you're not just, you know, going with the whim of the tide. Like you are trying to take hold of your own career and it shows your agent that you're putting in work and that you aren't just, you know, leaving everything in their hands. Exactly. So he was pretty like dismissive immediately. So I didn't pressure him, but cause he goes, yeah, I kind of know them. I said, Oh, okay. Well, um, they're casting for this, you know, put my name in the fucking bucket. You know what I'm saying? My guy, what's up? But nothing happened from that, which sucks, but you know what? It's fine. On to the next. Yeah. It could happen down the line. I just recently watched the Queen's Gambit. That would have been something to Mm -hmm. like. Did you watch that? That's amazing. I did. Amazing. Something like that, but like honestly, comedy because mm-hmm. I just have the timing for it naturally. Yeah, you suited to like, it. Yeah, which is cool. So exploiting that, even though I'm like, uh, it's fine, it's fun, you know. I just honestly, anything improvised, I hate learning scripts now. I don't know why. Yeah. It doesn't feel natural for me anymore. No, I took a class at the Groundlings recently, and my teacher there was talking about how after being so deep in the world of improv and, you know, everything that sort of comes with that, like working with a script is really hard for him, and it really kind of makes him feel confined, and you get a certain freedom with, with improv, and those discoveries that you get when doing improv are just so great. It's so fun fun and it can be a lot harder to create that same organicness and have those same discoveries with dramatic acting or scripted acting and obviously like that's your job is you have to find that you still have to find the discovery but it can be a lot harder the thing for me is like at least out here you come across a lot of shitty scripts like a lot especially as a woman yeah dude you're like what the fuck is this and (laughs) For me, because I'm a pretty honest human being, like, with myself and with my feelings, if it doesn't feel real to me, if it doesn't feel authentic, I just fucking hate No investment. Second yeah. yeah, so to be able to adjust to that, <laughs> especially because, yeah, now I've been doing, like, everything improv just based off of me, my own self, and my own understanding of reality... Again, there's a lot of shitty scripts out there. It's really hard. People don't know how to really write for other people. Even just like what you said about it being real, like a lot of dialogue in a script just doesn't feel like something a real person would ever say. Yeah. And like, as you said, for women in particular, you're like, what the? And for commercial. Yeah, I had a script one time where like one of my lines was literally ain't nothing better than being a mother. And I'm like, what? (laughs) 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 Because, I, I mean, that's still what society expects of us, huh? Like, yeah. Or I, I've also played Lady Victim. Oh, my God. <sighs> You're, no. Anyway, <laughs> on that note, do you have any parting words for the audience? Anything else you'd like to share oh. before we part ways? If you can do anything else besides be an actor, do it. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> no, like it, it's a, it's really hard. At the end of the day, you're going to feel more fulfilled if you're chasing this dream than going the practical route and working for someone else and working your ass off just for money. You don't go into this expecting money out of it. It's, it's not going to happen if you do that. Uh, or if you want to go into this for fame, I, I hear people say that all the time. They want to be famous. That's mm-hmm. the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Don't do that. You're not going to be successful or you're not going to enjoy it as much as if you want to go into this really exploring mm-hmm. yourself as a human being and wanting to portray somebody else and create a story for other people to forget about their lives for a minute. Yeah. Well, all right. Thank you so much for coming on. Do you want to go ahead and plug your social media, tell people where they can find you on TikTok, Twitch, Instagram, yeah. any of that? Okay. So my TikTok username, if you love looking at gap tooth chubby cheeked babes, is at yes. smalls. That's R-I-C-A-S-M-A-L-Z. My Twitch username is gap toothed gamer. Gamer is with a Y because I had to throw the gay stuff in there. <laughs> <laughs> and my Instagram is at Rika Smalls one zero, so the number ten, but it's R I C A S M A L Z one zero. Thank you so much. And you can follow me at So You Want to Be an Actor Pod on Instagram. You can reach out about the show, DM. Um, you can also follow my personal account at ERN.MDDN. So with that said, thank you so much for coming on, Erica. This was so much fun. Of course, of course. And I wish you the best of luck with all of your channels and your research. And Bless your socks. Bless <laughs> your looking forward to yeah, doing it again in the future if you want. Maybe Hell yeah. seeing you on TV at the cooking show. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> we'll see. So, all right. Bye, guys. Bye.